Episode 59 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on November 15th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. campaign is now live. More people, fewer servers, shorter queues, legacies merging together, and a whole lot more. I'll talk about it, how it went and tell you about some of the early winners and losers with server merges. Now that populations have come together, is it time to revisit the idea of ranked 8v8 PvP? A new Star Wars trilogy is on the way. Could the Old Republic be making its way to the big screen? Some people think so. My thoughts coming up later on the show. And with that, it's time to make the jump to Lightspeed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 59 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. I mentioned last week that my giveaway contest had ended and that I notified all of the winners and gave them their codes. I held off on announcing the winners because there were a couple of issues with some of the codes and I am working with Eric Musco to get that sorted out and I'm confident it will all get resolved. I did post all the winners in screenshots over at SotorPodcast.com. You can head there and check them out. There weren't a lot of entries, so pretty much everyone who entered won. That made my job easy. There will be more of these, and next time I'll do a better job of making sure that picking winners is definitely harder. But without further ado, the winners were Uet, whose favorite companion was Eric Jorgen, Flea, whose favorite companion was Vet, got a submission from Valhall, who uh, liked HK51 with the Dreadmaster's customization. Uh, there was an entry from Inkata, whose favorite companion was Zalik. I uh, had one from Deazieda, I am totally butchered that name, I apologize, who I believe's favorite companion was Jason Wilson. And I say I think because he didn't say who the companion was, and he and his companion were completely covered head to toe in armor. Now, he was definitely a Sith or a Jedi, and it was definitely a female companion, so I'm going to go with Jason here. But me, could have been Kira Carson or Nadia, but again, I think it was Jason. Got one from Megacode with his BFF, Kaleo uh, Maret with Lana Benico, a personal favorite of mine. And then finally, Salen Ravensheart, whose companion, favorite companion was Zenith. You can see all the screenshots over at SotorPodcast.com. And like I said, if you had an issue with your code, I'm working to get that resolved. Now, one code that no one should have issues with is for the new armor set that BioWare is giving away. To celebrate the launch of Star Wars Battlefront 2, BioWare is giving away Special Forces Armor Set. It looks Its look is inspired by the armor worn by Aiden Versio and other members of the uh, Empire's Elite Commando Unit Inferno Squad. The armor is only available until November 20th, so go to swotor.com slash redeem code and enter the code Special Forces, and it's all one word and then you'll get the set mailed to you on all of your characters. Now, I like the set, and I'm using it on my new operative. Uh, the base colors are okay. I 
put a black and red die in it, and I think it looks much better. When you enter a combat stance, there's even a little mini probe that will hover at your side. Of course, it's just cosmetic. It doesn't fight or heal or anything crazy. The armor is not legacy bound. However, it does get added to your collection. If you don't like the set or don't have an immediate use for it, you don't have to worry about it taking up precious inventory space. Now remember, to add it to your character's collection, you do need to equip it first, so don't just delete it outright. And you can unlock it in collections for all characters for the super low price of one cartel coined, and I certainly recommend doing that. And now that you're all dressed up, you might be wondering, where can I go? Well, here are some in-game events happening in November. The Relics of the Gree event just started, and it runs until November 21st. The Rakul Plague Outbreak on Tatooine returns on November 28th and ends on December 5th. And remember, if you want to get Dr. Loken as a companion, you can only do it during the Rakul event. So something to keep in mind there. There will also be another Double Rewards event that runs from November 28th through December 5th. And if that weren't enough, Conquest is back as of November 14th. And Game Update 5.6, A Traitor Among the Chiss goes live on November 28th. And before I get to the good stuff today, I wanted to do a couple of community shout-outs. First, congratulations to ZamZam, a.k.a. at Rage Games on Twitter, for becoming part of the Influencer Program. ZamZam is a blogger and an avid PvPer, and you can check out her work at ZamZamSays.com. Also, my good friend Swotarista hit 20,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel, and she's celebrating by holding contests and giving all sorts of stuff away. So check out her Twitter and, of course, her YouTube channel. She'll be holding an in-game event on Saturday, November 18th. It will be on the Starforge uh, server starting at 10 a.m. Pacific. She's going to be doing uh, crazy things like setting the world record for most players doing the No Bones Dance. Her events are going to start out on Tatooine at Outpost uh, Therizon, which is a Republic outpost. So despite the fact that it's tailored towards Republic dogs, it should be a heck of a lot of fun. And there's more going on. And I'll have a link to Swotorista's video explaining it all in my show notes. Well, that's it for the announcements. Let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. And while it finally happened, the server merges that so many players wanted went live last week. The launch of the United Forces campaign was an odd mix of high drama and nothing to see here. I think for the vast majority of people, this was a boring event. You logged out on November 7th and then logged back in on November 9th and things were pretty much the same. Not everyone felt that way. The maintenance was scheduled for 12 hours and ended up being close to 24. Bioware kept us in the loop about the delays and even told us up front that delays could happen. Despite that, it didn't stop players from taking to the forums and storming the castle. I didn't read any of those posts, but players seemed uh, to be split up into two camps, those yelling at the devs because the servers weren't up, and those yelling at players for yelling at the devs. Now, I was part of that second camp when I took advantage of the new 280 character limit and tweeted out the following. I sincerely hope that all people complaining about SWOTOR server delays don't work in IT. For those, of us that, for those of us that do, this is just another Wednesday. They'll get us there. And I meant that 100%, by the way. Things happen in IT and things break. I've yet to have an engineer tell me 
I'm going to jack things up with this deployment, yet it still happens. And overall, I thought this was a very smooth deployment. There were lots of moving parts, and they took their time to make sure they got it right, and for the most part, they did. There were some issues with legacy overflows that were uh, patched earlier this week, and I've heard some reports that the decoration consolidation with merging legacies didn't quite work like they said. I've not confirmed that myself, though. Overall, I said this was pretty smooth, and by the time the weekend hit, most of us were settled in our new homes, and it was business as usual. If you listened to last week's show, I went through what I expected my experience to be like, and it pretty much went down the way I thought it would. My main server is Starforge, and I had two legacies merged together. I had 23 characters on Shadowlands and two on Jedi Covenant. When I saw the server selection screen for the first time, I had 25 characters on Starforge. The first thing I did was check to see if I had lost any names. I lost one name that was on a level 33 sniper. I kept everything else. I gained a few strongholds from legacies merging together. Mine now go up to 11, which means if they ever add a new stronghold, I'll have to deactivate two of them. Only the strongholds on Shadowlands were decorated. I didn't do any decorations on the ones on Jedi Covenant, so I didn't have to worry about excess decorations uh, from the legacies merging. My legacy name was the same on both servers, so that too was a non-issue. I didn't have any legacy cargo or item stash overflow issues. Same with currencies as well. Everything was under the cap, and as anticipated, my outfits were all intact. So on a scale of nothing to see here and everything is jacked up, I was solidly in the nothing to see here camp, and I think they did a heck of a job. November 8th was all about transporting us to our new homes. The real measure of success for the United Forces campaign wasn't whether or not they lost our luggage, but rather what was the experience like when we arrived. Now, I boasted that if GSFQs popped in a reasonable time, we could declare absolute victory because if GFS was popping, then that meant everything was hopping. only tried a couple of times, but about 15 minutes in both times, I called it quits. I did do some PvP to get the Warzone Recon Achievement and the Darth Hexed Companion. The queues were indeed fast, but the matches? Well, that's another story. First was a lopsided Odessin that we won. Next was an Alderaan Silver War where I ran into my old nemesis, the Republic Bowling League. They slaughtered us, slaughtered us of course. The third match was one of the worst Void Stars I've ever seen. We started out on defense, and the opponents ripped through us like a hot lightsaber through a Skywalker's limb. This is, you know, now this is much too small a sample of PvP to pass judgment, but my first impression is it's a lot like it was before. Same with Conquest. It's back, and when I logged into my tune on my main guild, we were atop one of the leaderboards and by a fair margin. That's the way it often was on Shadowlands. There was another guild on the top five that I know to be an extremely small but active guild. So despite the large population of guilds and players, the Conquest leaderboards didn't look all that much different. So I think it's going to take a month or two before we see if this was all worth it. But there were some early winners and losers from this first week. And so first up, the winners... Well, I think BioWare is the big winner here. They have fewer servers to maintain. The servers are all running on new hardware. And they're all in a single data center. They delivered on a big request. They modernized and likely turned it into a cost-saving measure as well. 
merging legacies. This is also in the win column. Like anything, too much of a thing is bad. But I think for most people, you got all of your characters under one umbrella and might have a few more strongholds to play with than you did before. Also in the win column, players who got to keep their names. I only lost one, and I think many folks were able to keep theirs. There was name collision, but I think it turned out to be okay. And finally in the win column, we have players from low pop servers. Big changes for you guys. You logged in and checked the calendar to see if it was 2011. Now, some of the losers. Well, first there's the West Coast and APAC players. You're now further away from the data centers. Is everyone's gameplay affected here? No, but for some folks, things definitely got worse. Solo players. Those daily areas and planetary zones are a lot more crowded now. Yes, there are more instances than you can hop, that you can hop to, but chances are if there are NPCs guarding a quest objective, someone is going to run by and steal the objective while you do all the fighting. And welcome to every MMO ever made, by the way. And also in the lose column, doing PvE activities on PvP instances. Now, this isn't a problem everywhere, but the other night on Yavin 4, oh, I watched some poor Republic guy just get ganked by a whole group of Imperials. And I know that guy wasn't there to PvP. He was just there looking for a low population instance to do his daily quest. And boy, was he in for a rude awakening there. Also in the lose column, general chat. It got worse. It's under the loser category and also under the subcategory of how is that even possible? But fleet chat, general chat, everywhere, it's awful now. Now, players who kept their names were in the win column, which means players who lost their names are in the lose column. If anyone on Starforge wants the names Primo, that's P-R-I-M-O, or Curaj, C-U-R-A-J, Send me a name change token and I'll be happy to oblige. And finally, in the lose column, players from high pop servers. You benefited for sure, but the experience is probably a lot closer to what you had before the merge. So the United Forces campaign is underway. Don't forget to get your Darth Hexed companion, which you can do just by completing three PvE activities in the group finder, or conversely, you can complete three PvP activities. In fact, that's what I did. So are you happy with the merge? Indifferent? Let me know what you think, and I will say this. We're down to five servers now, so if another merge is ever needed, there's really no place to go. Last week I asked the question, does Star Wars The Old Republic need a classic server? I certainly don't see the need for one, nor do a lot of people. The one thing I have seen come up that players would like to see from the vanilla days is the return of 8v8 ranked PvP. I'm pretty sure Bioware has stated they have no plans to reinstate it. That said, if it were to make a return, the United Forces campaign certainly represents the last best chance for that to happen. So what would need to happen for ranked 8v8 to be worthwhile? First, there needs to be the population to support it. 
we're talking about splitting PVPers into two distinct camps, so there will be an impact on queue times for both ranked and unranked PVP. To be successful, unranked PVP queue times need to remain the same, and ranked needs to be somewhere close to that. GSF level weights are unacceptable. Now, I'm not familiar with the old ranked system, but if it wasn't structured, structured similarly to what we have now, meaning seasons with rewards, then that would need to happen. But if there were a sufficient population, and if there were seasons and rewards, the benefits to, to the health of PvP could be significant. Unranked could truly be for the masses, and the run-ins with the likes of the Republic Bowling League would hopefully be few and far between. Despite the fact that servers are merged, it seems unlikely that we'll see a return of 8v8 ranked. It's not clear that circumstances have changed enough such that they could reintroduce 8v8 without all the problems that existed the first time around. Just because we've merged and now have fewer servers doesn't mean that the servers have more people than they did back in the days when ranked 8v8 was a thing. And although there's the desire to see the return of 8v8 ranked PvP, I just don't see that happening anytime soon, so when the new Yavin 4 Warzone hits, I'll just have to have my fingers crossed that the Republic Bowling League isn't out in force that day. Well, next up, I want to talk about some general Star Wars news that have some people thinking the Old Republic might be headed for the big screen. follow General Star Wars news, and I know that you do, then you heard that Ryan Johnson, the writer-director of The Last Jedi, is going to work on a brand new Star Wars trilogy that is separate from the Skywalker saga. First, let me say, this must mean The Last Jedi is really good. Lucasfilm has not been shy about firing directors if they don't like what they're doing, and for Johnson to be given his own trilogy, it means he must have knocked The Last Jedi out of the park. Now, I've heard a lot of speculation that Johnson may wish to take us to the Old Republic. Fans want it. I certainly do. And it's a time period of lots of Jedi and Sith. And who wouldn't want to see something like the Deceived trailer come to life on the big screen? Hundreds of Jedi and Sith battling it out. What's not to like? Well, as much as I'd like to see an Old Republic movie, there's no way that Johnson's films are going to take place in the Old Republic. Here's what was said about the trilogy in the press announcement. In shepherding this new trilogy, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before explored. Ryan will do amazing things with the blank canvas of this new trilogy. Call me crazy, but this does not sound like he's writing a series of films set in the Old Republic. The Old Republic has a rich history that goes back more than 14 years now. Writing a story that takes place in the Old Republic is not my definition of starting with a blank canvas. Ryan Johnson has been given a rare opportunity to put his stamp on the Star Wars universe. The only other person to wield this much creative power is George Lucas. 
Ryan Johnson is going to start out as fresh as he possibly can. Will he explore the distant past of the Star Wars universe? I believe that he will, but it will take place much earlier than the events of the Old Republic. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the title of one of these new films will be The First Jedi. We know that The Last Jedi involves Luke training Rey on Octu, the presumed site of the First Jedi Temple. There's a tremendous backstory here that Johnson won't have time to explain in the film, but probably wished he did. And let's face it, a story about the origins of the Jedi, and perhaps the Sith, is intriguing. It'd be cool to see a galaxy in which there are nascent force wielders without structure and rules. Individuals who tap into the power of the force without understanding light and dark and their consequences. A galaxy in which there are no Jedi and Sith, but only the force. That's where I think Johnson is heading. The distant past of Star Wars, but not the Old Republic. I will say this. If this is what Johnson does, and if Swotor is still alive and kicking in 2021, there will be some great new lore for them to tap into. And with that, I am sure you are just about all tapped out. I know I am. So final notes for today, just a reminder that the maintenance schedule for the rest of the year is out. So we're down to just November 28th, Game Update 5.6 goes live, new story, Flashpoint, War Zones, and more. As I said, this is a pretty big one. And hopefully we'll start to get some more information on Augments, the new War Zone, before it's all released. And then as we move into December, there will be maintenance on December 12th for Game Update 5.6.1. And then some back-end maintenance on December 19th. And that's all I've got for today. A little bit short this time around, but let me cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 59 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SotorPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 60 on November 21st, and remember the Sith Code, cake is a lie.